Planning a trip to one of the great national parks? L.L. Bean went to the experts at the National Park Foundation to get the inside scoop on which parks are the best to visit in each season. Whether you're looking for outstanding scenery, smaller crowds, or unique activities, L.L. Bean, be an outsider. To check out the full list of recommendations, visit llbean.com slash explore. Cameron, uh, and we're here to, to uh, preview the first uh, meeting between Michigan State and Iowa, this one in Iowa City um, on Tuesday. Iowa, 18-8 and eight overall, 8-7 eight and seven in the Big Ten, um, although they do have a very good Ken Palm ranking based primarily on their offense, but 16th overall in Ken Palm, um, and they're coming off a huge comeback win uh, in Columbus over the weekend. Yeah, which followed a a really, really poor game at home against Michigan that they lost. I mean, I, I just thought they play, watched that game. And mm-hmm. I, they, they played miserably. Offensively, they played miserably, Yeah, uh, which is rare. Yeah, hard hard team to figure. I mean, the metrics love Iowa this year. Um, I've seen them play a lot, and I don't think it corresponds to my sense of reality, but they are eight and seven in the league. The not just the not just Ken Palm, but they sit well in the net as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there, if, if there was a, so if it was Selection Sunday today, uh, they'd be in, mm-hmm. and they've absolutely got a chance to be in. So this is obviously for Michigan State. You're trying to arrest a slide and start building toward March, and. Um, you're playing a team that's got a lot to play for as well on their home court and is coming off a very strong performance. I mean, they were down in that game early against Ohio state and then just came storming back and won it by double digits. So mm-hmm. it was an impressive response to what they did against Michigan. Mm-hmm. And a pretty typical Iowa profile, number five in yeah. the offense, 103 in, in defense, which if I'm an Iowa fan, that's got to just drive me nuts to just see that over and over and over again every year. It's well, it's at this point, you you have to understand that it's just not going to change. This is who they are. Yeah, I mean, it's it's who Fran McCaffrey is. It's just it. There, uh, it's it's a combination of things. It's it's the way his teams play, but it's also, I think, the way that he recruits. Yeah, you know, he wants guys that are skilled, um, you know, that shoot the way it's a lot like, and, and he's not, he has not gotten Iowa to nearly the same peak, but it's very reminiscent of pre getting defensive religion, John Beeline, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. exactly how Michigan was under Beeline for the first eight years or so that he was there, seven years, whatever it was, basically until the year he brought in Billy Donlin and then uh, Luke Yaklich. So for Beeline's last, I guess, three years he was there, mm-hmm. all of a sudden they decided, oh, it matters if we play defense. <laughs> but Iowa is, that's this is what they are under Fran McCaffrey. And, and short of him getting a similar dose of defensive religion, I, I don't see a reason to expect it to change because 
he's been there a long time now. Mm-hmm. And they're not always this bad defensively, but usually they are. Yeah. And they're never good. It's just not a, a recipe to do very well in the tournament. And he's shown that. He's never really – never been out of the second round, I don't believe. Right. Well, and that's – look, I and, and to, to put this in um, the context of another Big Ten team, you, uh, we've talked about this a little bit. I won't belabor the point, but it, it brings it up. Or will you mention in that? Uh, Purdue is, of course, the team that I think everybody – if you – if you polled national guys right now, or even Big Ten writers or broadcasters, I think there would be clear unanimity on if you said who's the Big Ten team with the best chance to make a Final Four run. I think you'd get some support for Illinois, mm. but most people would gravitate toward Purdue. They're the number one offense in the country. I believe they still are. They've got to be no worse than number two. Um, and they got a ton of depth a ton of offensive talent, ton of talent, period. They have size. They have an incredible individual scorer in Jaden Ivey. They've got shooting. They've got all of these things that we love. But their profile this year is essentially a Fran McCaffrey team. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, their defense has been teetering on the edge of being just inside or just outside the top 100 for a lot of the year. That's – it's it's – the reason I think it doesn't get more attention and why you've still got you don't have more skepticism around Purdue is two reasons. One, the front of the jerseys read Purdue, not Iowa. Mm-hmm. And two, people respect Matt Painter much more than they do Fran McCaffrey for good reason. But what you just said about, oh, that's not a recipe for, for doing well in March. I agree. And history tells us this. If you want to have the best chance possible to be a Final Four team, you'd better be a top 30 team in offensive and defensive efficiency. Mm -hmm. If you're outside either of those areas, it gets harder. There are exceptions. Michigan under Beeline made a couple runs where their defense was not good at all. Okay? Uh, Villanova under Jay Wright had suspect defenses that won a title. So it is possible, but those teams are extreme outliers. They just are. Now, you could say, well, Purdue's got the components. Uh, I had this discussion on Twitter with um, uh, the guy who does UM hoops um, a couple weeks back, and his position was that he doesn't think that putting a cap on teams based on efficiency numbers is a wise move, that there have been exceptions, and Purdue could very well be an exception because they have a guy like Jaden Ivey, and that separates them from what, say, Iowa was last year. Mm-hmm. Okay, that maybe, maybe. There, there certainly have been some exceptions, some outliers, and Jaden Ivey would be an element that last year's Iowa team did not have. They didn't have anybody that athletic who could just get something when he needed to. You know, they, they didn't have that component. I personally don't find that tremendously compelling as a differentiator, but time will tell. Uh, but I, I think you're absolutely right. When you are that poor. And, and again, we're not talking about, Oh, they're 45. They're mediocre right. defensively. They're bad. They're really bad. And Iowa is really bad. And has been really bad for a long time. When you are talking about winning four straight games, it's almost 
a guarantee that at some point you're going to have a game where you're having trouble hitting shots or you're going to just face an opponent. You're going to run into a peak Tony Bennett, Virginia. Mm -hmm. That's just going to lock you down and you are not going to have the freedom to play the way you normally play offensively. You're going to have shots that normally are open, that the window is short is, is closed. Um, you know, shot opportunity window, those things are going to happen almost always. So maybe you get a break in terms of the draw, but you're asking for a lot of luck. Yeah. And you don't want to have to be relying on luck. You want to feel like you're going in to those four games, five games, six games, whatever it's going to be, and have the ability to do it however you need to do it. That's been the great strength of, of Tom Izzo's teams over his career is they've been able to say in an NCAA tournament situation, you want to play slow, we can beat you that way. You want to play fast, we can beat you that way. You're a good offensive team, we could check you. You're a good defensive team, we'll find a way to score enough to win. Mm. You know, they've had that versatility to them. And most Final Four teams, most national champions do. So if your program is built the way that Fran McCaffrey's is to bring it back around Iowa, I agree with you. What What's your ceiling? What's your ceiling? You know, because you, you're not going to be in a position. I mean, let's think about this. For the last two years now, last year they had Luca Garza, national player of the year level guy, right? This year they've got Keegan Murray, who is not being talked about at that level, but he is an All-American. And, and truthfully, if Iowa were a little better, he'd have – he'd have more support around him. He is having that level of year, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Two straight years, they have a national player of the year level player. And they weren't able to get out of the second round last year, right? Nah, right. And nobody's going to be betting on them to do that this year. Maybe they will, but I would bet against it. That man, that is, and it's not, it's not like it was, you know, Michael Jordan and the Jordanaires. They had guys around, particularly last year. You know, he had guys around Garza too, including Murray. Um, and that that's all they did. So it's not a lack of talent issue. It's a it's a what are you issue. Mm -hmm. Can you do enough things well to win enough to win though that those games when it, when it gets really, really tough. And the answer has been no yeah. with Iowa. But having said all that, I, I, I do want to get this in there before we get deeper into the preview. I, I give Fran credit for this team because I didn't think they'd be this good. I didn't think there would be an NCAA tournament team this year. M Murray's emergence has been a huge part of why they are. Mm -hmm. I didn't see that coming to this level. You know, the, the stories around Wisconsin and Iowa this year being better than I think anybody expected them to be largely is around Keegan Murray and Johnny Davis having sophomore year explosions where everybody expected them to be better, but not this much better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you look at their offense five, um, number one in turnover percentage. Um, yeah. Strength. And, and look, um, there's the old saw. So I think finally we're getting people to understand that this is not the truth around Michigan state. 
where people try to explain turnover problems as well. They like to play fast, so of course there's going to be a few of those. It's not a problem for Michigan State. Most of their problems are in the half court. Mm-hmm. But Iowa also puts the lie to that. Iowa plays very fast. They like to run. They like to go up and down the court. Um, and they, they're they as good as anybody in the country mm-hmm. in minimizing turnovers. So uh, it's by far their biggest strength. It's It's why they're where they are offensively because in some other areas they're not as good as they've been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the three-point percentage isn't all that great. 34, they're 115th in the country. Right. Um, but it's typically higher than that. Yeah, yeah. They're 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 a an okay three-point shooting team. They're not a great one. You know, last year, they were another one of these teams that it, it just, it was such a tough decision as to what to do with them defensively because you had Garza, who was this post-monster, but then he could step out and hit threes. Mm-hmm. And if he was operating in the post, he had guys around him, just shooter after shooter after shooter. Well, that's not this team. They, they're okay. They certainly can beat you from three, but they're not a great shooting team mm-hmm. by any means. He's had much better shooting teams than this one. Yeah. Uh, 61 from two. Um, then 59, uh, 59 in the country in offensive rebounding. So decent. Despite that's, not having yeah. Arizona. That's an impressive number, you know, considering that size was a question coming into the season, but they've they've done a nice job there. Uh, and 75% from the line. Yeah, the, you know, they're only middling in terms of getting there, so it doesn't play quite the way you'd like it to, but, yeah, they're, they're good there. Uh, the problem with their defense, for the most part, is the two-point percentage. They're 203 in the country. Uh, against twos for for a big 10 team that is abysmal mm-hmm. that is just abysmal and it's the again if you in my opinion at least if you want to look at one stat that usually tells you a lot about the the true quality game in game out of a defense mm-hmm. you could do a lot worse than focusing on two point percentage and when you're that bad it's going to be tough to be very good defensively yeah, and they give up a lot of offensive rebounds, 265, even yep. worse um, in defensive yeah. rebounding. Yeah, worse than Michigan State, way mm-hmm. worse, way worse. So, yeah, it's it's been an issue for them. Um, the only thing, they do force some turnovers, 77th in the country in turnover percentage. Yeah, and it, it goes to what we're going to see, and this is something that, you know, Michigan State short ter- shortish turnaround you hope that they're well prepared for. Mm-hmm. Iowa's going to throw a lot of different looks at you. I've seen them do. They they certainly don't live with full court pressure, but they will throw it out there at times. Mm-hmm. And I won't be surprised to see them at all to see them try that against Michigan State. They throw some half court stuff at you occasionally, and then they'll play a fair amount of zone. So Michigan State's going to have to be prepared for things you know moving back and forth but again i've i've generally been a proponent of the idea that mixing defenses which a lot of people gravitate toward as well why don't we throw them a different look now and then just to confuse them and sometimes even broadcasters go oh they're showing them a zone look look it's confused them well (laughs) the problem with that is that 
you better be able to actually execute that mm-hmm. if you want to be good. Because for as much confusion as you might be causing an offense, you may be confused with what your responsibilities are defensively and give up a great look. And that's, in my opinion, that happens far more often than not. Yeah, I, I think it's a recipe for disaster most of the time when you see it. The only coach who's an exception to that, and it's if there's one testament to how great a pure basketball coach Rick Pitino is, yes. it's that. There, there was a period where Louisville, um, kind of toward the end of his run there, um, and it might have even been the year MSU beat them in the Elite Eight uh, in 15. I think it was that team that would switch defenses mid-possession. That's incredibly hard to do. Mm-hmm. That is so difficult to do. And if you could successfully teach that to a group of kids, man, my hat's off to you. Because these guys who do it, you know, possession to possession, they change it. It's usually a train wreck. Mm-hmm. Iowa's an example of that. Iowa does that shit, and they're terrible. Yeah, it, it just seems like a little bit of overcoaching to masks your weakness. <laughs> well, that's the that's absolutely, I think, um, the theory mm. is that look, we're just not very good, so let's at least throw them different looks, and we buy ourselves a few seconds in the shot clock because they've got to diagnose what's different um, and and how to attack it, and maybe that'll help us. <sighs> Uh, yeah, it's putting lipstick on a pig. To me, <laughs> yeah, to me, perfect. when you're dealing with college basketball teams, let's just call a spade a spade. You're not talking about NBA players. You have you have limited practice time with these guys. They're young. They don't have the experience. They don't yet have enough basketball IQ in most cases to make that stuff work. I think it's hard enough teaching one thing systemically mm-hmm. to a team. And 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 expecting them to get it at a level that allows you to win. Um, never mind trying to mix in, you know, three or four different things that you're doing. Mm-hmm. I, I just I understand why when you perceive it, you know, well we don't have good individual defenders, so we got to do some things to kind of junk it up. But I, I I think over the long run, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it 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 works in the sense that they're 338 paced on defense while they're eight on offense right but you know but but they're not they're not stopping teams from scoring yeah which is the idea okay if we want to define success as well their opponents have to take a long time in those possessions all right Mm -hmm. but they're still scoring yeah yeah so i mean is it really is it really helping you is Mm -hmm. it really a positive i would argue no yeah, because that just takes time away from their offense. <laughs> yeah, right. It gives them fewer opportunities to score. That's that, that you know, and that's a really good point. If you're Iowa, you want, I would think, you want a game with as many possessions as possible because you would want to bet on your offense being more efficient than the other guys. Mm-hmm. Right. So, that, yeah, that's a good point it might not even be a positive from that perspective. So you look at the starters, Jordan Bohannon back again, six, one super senior, um, 10.6 points a game, 38 from the floor, 37 from three, 88 from the line. 
yeah, I, I've always, I've had trouble warming up to this guy. Thankfully, you know, after, after last year, um, he, he knew coming back this year, it wasn't the same deal. So you have to listen to him run his mouth about how Iowa was being shortchanged because they weren't preseason number one or whatever nonsense he was talking about. Um, you know, he's okay. He's a, he's a guy who on certain nights could absolutely kill you from three because he will take shots that would objectively be bad shots for other guys. And he's capable of hitting them. Mm. You know, it's funny for a guy who has a shooter's reputation and he does, you know, he's never been, well, at least not the last couple of years. He's good. His, you know, 37% for a high volume guy. Okay. It's certainly, I'm not, I'm not saying, Oh, it's a, it's a big, big problem because he takes enough of them that that translates. Right. Mm. But he's never been a great shooter. Like, the guy who was always the best shooter on that team is the guy who's sitting out this year with an injury at Kentucky, C.J. Frederick. He was the guy who was purely a great shooter, in my opinion. Bohannon hasn't been that. And, you know, over time, Bohannon is nominally the starting point guard now because they had a lineup shuffle recently, but he's not the primary guy. He does a good job. He doesn't He doesn't commit turnovers, and he can occasionally make a play for others, but he's not a dynamic point guard and that's why they've over time they've found other guys to to really put in that role and he's become more of a shooting guard mm-hmm. yeah. terrible individual defender just awful uh and then tony perkins six four sophomore he started against ohio state uh in a kind of a different lineup that they threw out there but he only yeah. played 10 minutes uh six little over six points a game 42 only 24 from three and 89 from the line yeah, he, he's not a shooter, but um, what they like about him is he's got some size on the wing, and he's an aggressive player. He's a guy who looks to make things happen. And so, um, you know, I, I think I think as his career, you know, the next couple of years, you're going to see him play a bigger and bigger role because – and they'll hope that they can develop him a bit as a jump shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then – Patrick McCaffrey, six eight sophomore, um, finally all all done with his injury and illness problems that he's had uh, recently. But um, eleven points a game, three point eight rebounds, forty two thirty one and seventy four. Yeah, he's finally healthy. Whatever you know. Look, I know Fran is kind of a punching bag, uh, certainly around the conference. If uh, if you haven't ever seen on social media on Twitter. The Franometer, um, you should. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't think I've seen that. There's a, I can't remember, I think it was an Illinois fan. Somebody around a Big Ten maybe three, four years ago did this Franometer chart where it's got very, with with graphics of, of expressions of Fran's face, <laughs> photos of Fran's face next to them, of uh, what's, you know, from basically from, Totally calm, Fran, to DEFCON, uh, <laughs> Fran. And, um, you know, we all, I, I'm sure a lot of Michigan State fans remember the, the timeout where he slammed the chair into the floor mm-hmm. in a rage. And, you know, he's, and, and, you know, obviously the coach of Michigan State has a temper that we see sometimes too, but Fran is kind of at another level. So he takes a lot of crap. 
Um, but I, I do have to say, I, I feel, um, I feel good for Patrick McCaffrey because Patrick McCaffrey had not just guard. I mean, he had some serious illness problems. And then he had mm-hmm. some injuries on top of that. And this is a kid who legitimately was like a top 50 ish recruit. I mean, he can play. And I think he, now that he's finally healthy, he's shown that he's their second leading scorer, 11 points a game. You know, they'd like him to be a little bit better jump shooter, but he's got enough from out there that he's versatile. You know, teams have to respect him on the arc, and yet he's got enough size and he's clever enough. He can do things inside the arc, too. But he's a, he's a good player and, you know, has certainly already surpassed his brother. I mean, he's a starter, and his older brother, who once upon a time was a starter, is now like a 15-minute-a-night guy. Mm. So it's pretty clear the better of the McCaffrey brothers has, I think, been decided. Uh, and then Keegan Murray, 6'8 sophomore, who just exploded this year. 23.4 points a game, 8.2 rebounds. Um, and he's getting two blocks per game. 56 from the floor, 37 from 373 from the line. Yeah, there, there's there's not much that he can't do. And I, and I really do believe this. I think that if Iowa were a better team, if Iowa was having the season that Johnny that, that Wisconsin was having, he'd be talked about exactly the same way that Johnny Davis is as a big time player of the year candidate, national player of the year candidate. And, and he's still going to get Murray's going to get some all American recognition, but I don't know that he's getting quite the level of accolade that I think he deserves as a player because he's truly had a remarkable season. Mm-hmm. He is, he is just an extremely tough cover because He's got enough size at six eight, and he's strong enough that he can do things inside against you. Uh, he's a good rebounder, good defensive. You know, good defensive player is a stretch, but a rim protector mm-hmm. is not a stretch. And then he's capable of hitting threes. Um, he's effective in the mid range game. He's got enough of a handle that he can take you facing you up, but go off the dribble. I mean, there's there's just not a lot you can do with this guy. So it's going to be. You know, the, the one thing that's good for Michigan State is Michigan State has a guy that, at least in theory, in Malik Hall, physically match him. can match with him. Like, there's there's nothing that Murray's going to have a distinct advantage in physically over Malik Hall. He's, uh, talent-wise, he's a really, really tough cover. Mm. Uh, and then Philippe Rebraca, 6'10", senior transfer from North Dakota, 6.3 points a game, 5.9 rebounds, 57 from the floor. Um, he's taken not many threes, one for six for three, um, 57 from the line. Yeah, you know, Iowa has obviously with Garza gone um, and also uh, Jack Nunge gone as well. Um, they are a smaller team this year. They really needed Rebracha, though. They need mm-hmm. somebody to, to man the middle. Because he's the only true center that consistently plays for them. They have another guy, Josh Gundelay, that occasionally plays, but not much. So it was really critical they add him in um, in uh, through the portal, and he's been okay. I mean, this is this is normally you know we've had some abnormal situations around the league in the last couple of years where some transfers have really really impacted in a big way. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys who are trans, what I call transfer ups, where they're coming from a mid major to a high major. But um, this is the more normal 
optimistic end of things. And you might hear those numbers you just said, so, well, that's not very much. But realistically, that's about as much as you can hope for hmm. from a mid-major transfer up guy. Is okay, he comes in, he's a starter, he can give us 20-plus minutes a night, get five rebounds or so, give us a little bit of scoring inside, just kind of hold the fort down so we don't have an absolute hole at the position. Hmm. And that's what it's been. Yeah. Uh, then off the bench, Chris Murray, uh, Keegan's twin, six seven sophomore, ten points a game, four and a half rebounds, uh, forty eight from the floor, thirty nine from three, sixty nine from the line. Yeah, you know, quietly, that's a pretty nice year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Keegan was part of Iowa's rotation last year, and so you knew that he was. I expected him to be a double digit scorer. I thought he was probably going to be their best player. He showed enough last year, but I didn't see, you know, all American. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chris didn't play much. No, not last hardly year. at all. Yeah. And for him to come in and have that double digit scorer off the bench, that's pretty good. And that bodes well that it look, Keegan's gonna go pro because he's he's I've seen him mocked, you know, consistently in the lottery. And and to the eye test, he it appears to me that he's ready. So you would expect that he will go pro this year. But if I'm an Iowa fan, I'm encouraged. I would think, you know, you wouldn't ever expect anybody to become Keegan Murray. That's a tall order. But I think there's a reasonable chance that next year you pencil in his brother as the starter at that spot, and you're still going to have a very, very good player there. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's quietly, he's had a really impressive year. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Joe Toussaint, six foot junior, um, essentially the point guard, uh, leads Iowa in assists, ninety three on the season, four point eight points a game, forty four uh, from the floor, twenty seven from three, and eighty from the line. The the limiter for Toussaint is that he's just never been able to be a shooter. Now I say that you remember that game last year. Michigan State played Iowa twice, and they got mm-hmm. doors blown off at Breslin, but they were really competitive in Iowa City. Almost figured out a way to steal that one. And a big reason they didn't was, if I remember this correctly, Toussaint had a really good night shooting the ball. So I'm saying this knowing I'm tempting basketball fate. But the reason Toussaint has not been a great player at Iowa is he's never been able to figure out his shot. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been a sub-30 kind of guy all the way along. and. um that hasn't changed this year. What he does do is give them some quickness at that spot. He's an energetic player and he's a really, really, he's become a really, really good decision maker. I mean, his, his assist to turnover ratio is crazy good. It's like three to one and he leads them in assists. So he's the primary guy. So, you know, they've, 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 they shook up the starting lineup for the last game and so i would guess it stays shook for this one since they won but uh he's the primary guy Mm. you're gonna see and he's also the only guy i always had for the time he's been there that i look at and i think well he's at least capable of being a good individual defender Mm -hmm. because he has the physical tools for it he's kind of he's very quick and and he's stocky he's got some strength to him yeah uh and then Connor mccaffrey 6'6 senior 
just only point one point seven points a game in fifteen minutes. Uh, twenty seven from the floor, twenty seven from three, sixty seven from the line. Yeah, um, another guy. That I, I think part of the reason his role has declined is other guys have gotten better. Tustant's gotten better. Ulysses has gotten better. So they haven't needed him as a point guard. Um, and other than he had, I think it was his sophomore year, he kind of pulled a, a good three-point shooting year out of his ass. But other than that, he struggled to hit shots from the perimeter. And I think even if you're the coach's son, I think it's really hard to play a lot of minutes for Fran McCaffrey if you can't shoot. Mm-hmm. It's again another similarity to Beeline. Like I just felt like, you know, coaches emphasize different things. At Michigan State, if you can't guard somebody, it's going to be hard for you to play a lot. You know, for John Beeline and for Fran McCaffrey, if you can't make shots, it's going to be hard to play you a lot mm-hmm. because that's what they emphasize. That's what they care about. Prioritize. Um, still a crazy. I think he's got forty-four assists and eight turnovers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- this guy just has always put up just great assist-to-turnover numbers. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is, like, he's not a super dynamic playmaker, so you, you run the risk of overplaying that. Um, but, man, he just doesn't make mistakes. I got to give him that. Yeah. Uh, and then Aaron Ulis, 6'2", sophomore, um, sort of emerged as the backup primary point guard. Um, 3.8 points per game, 35 from the floor, 36 from 380 from the line. And at sixty-five turn or sixty-five assists to twenty-five turnovers. Yeah, again, you know, almost three to one. Uh, he's been good. You know, he didn't play very much as a freshman, mm-hmm. and um, he's obviously, for those who don't know, his younger brother of Tyler Ulis, who was uh, Kentucky guard and a guy that Michigan State recruited. Uh, it's weird because Tyler was very small. He was like five eight, mm-hmm. and and Aaron is like six inches taller. Uh, he's a normal-sized point guard. He's not the player his brother was, but he's uh, he's shown enough this year to think that you know he and Toussaint make a pretty good one-two punch. Then neither one of them is a guy you look at and think, oh, they're great. Mm-hmm. But together, they do a pretty nice job. Yeah. Uh, then Peyton Sanford, 6'7", freshman, averaging five points per game in 10 minutes, um, 41, 36, and 92 from the floor. Yeah, I mean, he's just a shooter at this point. Mm-hmm. That's what he's there to do. He shoots the ball well. Um, you know, five points in 10 minutes a game is pretty good offensive production. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, then Josh Agundale, um, 6'11", 265. Um, he's played in 15 games, four minutes a game. Just a, another big body. Yeah, and, you know, certain games, like the Michigan game, he, he played a little bit more than normal, I think because, you know, Michigan with Dickinson especially has a lot of size. So he's a card that, that Frank can play in that way. But um, he's not consistently playing a lot. I don't – it's hard for me to discern if we're likely to see him against Michigan State. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can see – I could see this becoming a small ball game, you know. Yeah. I really could. Um, so we'll, it remains to be seen. But he is an option for them, and he is a big body. I mean, when you see him, he's a big boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you look at the keys, Rod, boards. Yeah. Uh, look, Iowa's been uh, – it, it cuts two ways. Iowa's been 
as opposed to a lot of teams Michigan State's been seeing recently, Iowa's actually legitimately a decent offensive rebounding team on the year. So that poses a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, they're already, they don't turn it over. They're okay, at least shooting the ball. You damn well better be able to end possessions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. On the other end, Iowa is a horrifically bad defensive rebounding team for a Big Ten squad. Like, way worse than Michigan State even, which I know is hard for people to fathom. It's hard for me to fathom, but it's true. So, Michigan State really needs to take advantage of that. I think in a game like this where you could expect Iowa to have a decided advantage in turnovers, MSU has to figure out a way to to at least uh, offset that with an advantage on the glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so turnover is the second key. Yeah. Number one. And, and again, I, I, I've i said often, especially lately, that people have made too much out of turnovers. I believe that to be the case. But this is a game where it might not be the case, where it might be true that it's something to watch because Iowa is as good as it gets. And if Michigan State has, like if it's a three or four turnover edge, not necessarily a big deal. If it's eight, nine, big deal mm-hmm. potentially. So they've they've gotta they've gotta be careful. Yeah. Uh, and then the third key is Walker. Well, look, can he come back uh, and keep doing what he's doing in the second half of uh, the last one? <laughs> we spent a lot of time in the Illinois post game talking about that, mm-hmm. and um, I. I've been of the opinion I was I was here in the summer, I was here in October, I'm still here now. Michigan State can only be somewhere near their peak of, of what's possible, and I don't know yet what that is. But they can only what I do know, I think I know, is that the only way they can get there is if Tyson Walker is really good. And I have seen enough this year to believe wholeheartedly that Tyson Walker can be a very good Big Ten player. Mm. Tools are there. Everything is there. He is. If you had told me in October that he was going to be shooting in the mid-50s from three, I would have said, oh, he's an All-American. <laughs> because that was the one thing. That was the thing that you're like, well, he was okay at Northeastern. He was like a mid-30s guy. But, you know, sometimes, most of the time, in fact, guys stepping up from mid-major to high-major guards, usually you see a decline Mm -hmm. in three-point shooting effectiveness. And it's because they're playing better defenders, better better scouting. The the shot opportunity windows close quicker. You know, all those things tend tend to go into it. But he not only hasn't regressed, I mean, he's exploded. The problem is volume, you know. So Tyson Walker needs to be aggressive in this game. Iowa is a terrible defensive team, just terrible. Mm. And he's, like I say is true in every game he plays in, he's going to be able to get shots. question is, does he take them? Yeah. Uh, and then toughness is the fourth key. Uh, again, you know, I would expect that Iowa is uh, in front of a home crowd. They're, they're probably 
feeling a regained sense of confidence coming off a very big win on the road at Ohio State. They're still, you know, in their minds, I think rightly so, they don't feel comfortable yet with a tournament bid. So they're coming into this feeling like, hey, we need to get this one. Mm -hmm. We need another big scalp. And they're at home. So they're going to have the crowd behind them. If you're Michigan State, you've got to find a way. You have to. And, you know, we did not see it, in my opinion. Was it better than it had been against Penn State when they played Illinois? Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. But it wasn't good enough. I, I I just feel like this team needs to play with its hair on fire. It really does. Like, you've got to see guys flying. Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen that consistently. We saw it against Indiana. And that's kind of it. We saw it at Wisconsin. Yeah. We've seen it a handful of times. And when we do see it, guess what? Good things happen. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen it consistently. You know, that's where it's a hard thing to ask a guy to do, but that's where somebody like Gabe Brown, it shot, the shot has just gone off a cliff lately, his jumper. Mm-hmm. There's no arguing with it. But he could still be a productive player if he went out and just used his athleticism and his length and just stayed active. Yeah. Just flew around the court, diving after loose balls, going tracking every rebound, you know, just doing those kind of things to get engaged, to inject energy into the game, you know? Mm. Um, And he's never consistently been that kind of guy, which is unfortunate because with his physical tools, if he was, I think, I think you'd see another level to his play totally apart from the shooting. Mm. Um, But they, they need that. They need a guy like Malik Hall kind of playing with a little bit of abandon, you know, Um, some of these guys, they've got to, that's what this team needs is much, much, much more energy. Mm. Uh, and then the last key is threes. I was not as good at deep shooting as they have been in the past. Right. So. And I, I I think if you're if you're looking at this coming into this game, you know, there are areas, turnovers being one where you say, Okay, Iowa's a distinct advantage. Um Iowa has the guy who's the best player on the floor in Keegan Murray. That's an advantage. Um rebounding will be interesting, you know. It might be an area where Iowa can battle you. But, you know, to me, one area that pretty clear cut should be a Michigan State advantage is three-point shooting. Mm -hmm. They're just better. They need to make sure that's the case, that that actually shows up. Okay. Well, any uh, final thoughts heading into this one? Big surprise! It's a big game. Yeah, I mean Michigan State needs to needs to stop the bleeding, and and get better. Mm-hmm. You know, and Izzo came out of the Illinois game. I was interesting, saying that he felt like progress was made, which he doesn't often say in a loss. I would agree with that, if it meant, hey, we finally found the mentality Tyson Walker needs to play with. Mm-hmm. But apart from that. And, you know, maybe that, uh, you know, Julius Marble has played better lately. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that I saw that, but he sees things we don't. So, um, 
if he's right, then you would expect that, and it continues, you'd expect that to manifest in a win. I mean, going on the road and winning the Big Ten ever, no matter the opponent, is hard to do. But this is a game that Michigan State can get if mm-hmm. they play well. Yeah. You know? Okay. Well, we'll leave it at that and get the post game up after this one on Tuesday. Until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.